This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so I am here with Jonathan Morgan from Salt Circle Games. Hey. Hi. And uh, I wanted to have them on so they can come on and talk about the cool, new, exciting things they're going to be doing with Chill in the near future. They are both so new and exciting. Yes. They so, are definitely new and hopefully exciting. <laughs> I'm sure they will be. So why don't we just hop into it and you guys kind of tell me uh, what Salt Circle Games is. Yeah, so Salt Circle Games is uh, a brand new uh, tabletop game company that my wife Morgan and I started, uh, and we began the company expressly in order to continue work on Chill. Uh, we we hope eventually to branch out and do some other projects, but for right now, we're going to be 100% focused on um, on new Chill content. That's awesome, because um, I know we were uh, all of us here at Grim Encounters, we were looking forward to more stuff, so... Uh, just to get our our little hands on those would be great. Well, we um, hope to satisfy. I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, how long have you guys been in the uh, tabletop RPG industry, or just writing in general? Well, I started freelancing for White Wolf back in two thousand three. I think my my first book was Devil's Due, which was the last book for the Dark Ages series, and I've worked on and off in the industry ever since. Um, oh. In between there, I got a, a master's in professional writing. So I have done a lot of freelancing wow. outside of RPG work as well. Yeah, and awesome. I worked um, I worked on a few, a handful of projects for White Wolf and for Onyx Path. Um, and then uh, obviously did uh, both uh, design and development work as well as writing on the third edition of Chill. And I edited Monsters. That's cool. I like to hear that stuff. Um, so now that we brought up third edition of Chill, what are you guys currently working on for uh, Chill right now? So we've got a uh, Chill Patreon that's going to launch the beginning of October. It's going to go live October 1st. Um, and patrons are going to be able to sign up for a few different tiers. But no matter what uh, tier people sign up for, they're going to get access to new Chill content every single month. Uh, at the outset of the Patreon, all the content is going to be for Chill 3rd Edition. Um, and it's going to include things like new settings, new cases, new monsters, headquarters. Regions. Awesome. As well as some uh, as some new uh, kinds of content. Things like uh, we're working on um, 
uh, a cult, and we're going to be adding some new secret societies to the world. Uh, new magic systems. Yeah, eventually. So magic. the other the other yes. piece of it is um, we're when we ne- went into negotiations with the license holder for Chill, we broached the idea of doing um, an updated version, either kind of a three point five or sort of moving into a fourth edition. Um, that's very much based on third, but really expanding some of the parts that I think um, are really the best and, and advance the game the most. So I think that the token system for chill uh, is really um, a great way for players to get engaged uh, in the mechanics of a game that's simple and gives them power within the game. Um, and oh, so yeah. I, I'm really, um, I, I have a, a playtest uh, document already going. We've got a full kind of new version with, for the core mechanics of the game um, with some tweaks and then some stuff added and changed. We're already playtesting that. And um, patrons are also going to get access to that playtest document so they can playtest as well and give feedback. Um, and there's plans right now for a playtest tier that, um, or a Patreon tier that is for people who are really interested in game design and playtesting, they're going to get the opportunity to actually playtest with us once a month if they want to via Discord, uh, as well as access to a living playtest document so they can see the versions all along the way and really um, keep a pace with all the different changes and tweaks and tests that we're running. And that's an area that I really wish that Chill had been able to devote more time to in the third edition is the, the playtesting portion of the writing. Uh, I feel like we didn't really have as much time as I would have liked to to test these rules in, in different kinds of scenarios or different kinds of characters. And I think the long-term ramification for that has been that sometimes it works really, really well, and sometimes it doesn't work quite as well. And so we're trying to kind of streamline that aspect of it and work out some of the kinks. Yeah, that that all that sounds cool. Yeah, I mean, because that's what initially uh, drew us to... Um, the game itself was that token token system. Uh, we it's just so it's so unique and it's so engaging to the players and and the uh, chill master. Yeah, we want to put that center stage um, and uh, and really not only work on developing the the token system and make it kind of more of the focal point of the mechanic, but also um, the uh, in third edition, what are takeaways um, are getting uh, a, a tweak in the new playtest version and are um, a little bit more robust. They've got some unique uh, abilities. The arcane and personal takeaways now do things that only they can do when you when you check them. And so it really incentivizes players to purchase them and use them um, and not just sort of have a an extra thing on the character sheet they don't think about. That that would be very helpful because I know that uh, my group here we have a hard we we kind of struggle with remembering to use those. Yep. Uh, and I I even myself I forget to engage with them. Yeah, so. I've, I've had the same experience. I mean, now we now have the benefit, you know, regardless of wanting more time uh, for third edition to play test. The reality is, you know, there's there's never enough time. You can always do another play test. We have the advantage though of having run the game and played in it for you know, over four years now. Yeah. yeah. And so we've got kind of all that uh, experience to be able to look back uh, and feedback as well from from players and people that we've met who've played the game. 
uh, as well as listening to awesome uh, play podcasts like Grim Encounters <laughs> and getting to hear like people you. interact with the rules in the game. So now we've got a really good foundation to be able to say, okay, this part of the game works, you know, swimmingly, and this part of the game, like takeaways, just kind of gets forgotten because you know people just don't think about it. So my my well, plan for that was to do anything that was different from something that you could do in another way. So it was easy to forget about them. Yeah, my my, totally. my thought was rather than, I don't know, try to do something gimmicky or, you know, put it in the center of the character sheet or something like that. Um, right now, the the working uh, plan in the current playtest version is they they do more and cool stuff. So that way players have a really good incentive to remember them because it's going to keep them alive. That is exciting stuff. Takeaways um, are something that I, I wish we used more. So if with you guys updating them uh, and bringing them more into the centerfold, that, that is, that is just awesome to hear. So uh, about the token system that we were talking about a second ago, uh, would we, would you guys keep the same black and white system or is that changing at all? In terms of like the visuals of the token? Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's, it's still a light and dark token flip. Um, I mean, obviously you can use heads and tails on a coin if that's what oh, you've yeah. got, but, um, but no, I mean, we, I like the visual tension that the light side, dark side tokens provide. And when, when you see the chill master going and flipping that t- token over, there's that little frisson of like, oh no, something bad's going to happen. And if it's not happening yet, it's happening soon. And I think that the tension that the, the tokens add to the game in that way really helps build the overall horror elements of it. Oh, oh for sure. I mean, even with... The, uh, recording the podcast, the players would be talking about something, and uh, they something would happen in the in the the background with the uh, the creatures, and I would flip a token, and just their their reactions always so good. It it instantly makes them tense and like, okay, what's going on? What what, what are we missing? And that's consistently so. one of the the most fun parts of chill for the chill master. I think is. Um, you know the dy- the social dynamics that come up when you start flipping or adding or using those tokens, and and to that effect, the other um, the other kind of playtest piece that I encountered a lot, and I've heard from at least a few groups that I've talked with and observed, is that um, there tend to be some times where ch- the tokens get stagnant, and so uh, the chill master might have a table full of um, dark tokens but not really anything to do with them. Um, And the players may have a table full of light tokens and feel like they don't need to turn them and sort of give the chill master ammunition. And so... um, No, we want people turning the bejesus out of these tokens. (laughs) I want to see them in constant motion. I I think that that's something that I I really am seeing us lean into because I think that the constant rotation, a constant flip of those tokens really does such a good job in kind of carrying the tension, carrying the narrative. Yeah, and to that end... Most uh, definitely. um, The token turning is, at least in the current version, and again, this is all very much subject to change, and I'm really excited to have people join in and provide feedback and play test with us and everything, but the way that it's working right now is that the token turns are really um, becoming more important for just regular checks and rolls and things, and for the Chillmaster, uh, token turns are being required um, to do a lot more with the creatures. So it almost sort of works like a, um, for the Chillmaster, it works a little bit like a meta narrative, so that um, 
there's a kind of a fuel in front of you for how much the creature is going to do in a scene. And when that runs out, it's it typically, unless it's kind of a final confrontation, it's time that the creature makes an escape or an exit or, you know, monologues and disappears or, you know, whatever, whatever the, that particular creature happens to do. Totally. That is very exciting. So speaking about the, uh, the stuff you're working on, and I know we, we mentioned it earlier a little bit. So you when I when I mentioned that the uh, is it going to be a new edition or expansion? Uh, you said kinda. So is it? <laughs> uh, it's, so it's, you guys are kind of feeling like a, like a three point five kind of thing, possibly, or just another uh, system book. Everything that we're producing right now is intended to build on the third edition books that people already own. Um, improvements to the functionality of the system, absolutely. But in terms of of the creatures, of the, you know, the the history, all of that, you know, your third edition books are still going to be very useful to you with the new stuff that we have coming out. And then the goal is, okay. as we as we're releasing content through the Patreon, all of the the setting stuff that we mentioned earlier, like locations and cults and secret societies and new creatures all that's going to be written and delivered for third edition but then in the background um, there's also going to be that other section of the patreon where people get to look at the playtest document and they get to look at what the new updated version is going to look like and and uh, add their their opinions and, and voice their support the eventually the goal is if there is support for a new edition, either a 3.5 or a new full edition, then we will um, either run it through the Patreon or we'll run it through a Kickstarter uh, and actually do an updated version of Chill that's um, functionally like a fourth edition. Uh, but again, it'll you know it'll depend on if there's the the audience for it. If people really uh, like what they're seeing from the the new playtest stuff and they want to see a uh, an updated version, then we'll deliver. Sweet. Now. Uh... This is a question coming from uh, my cast here okay. about the uh, the locations, like like the HQ locations, because mm-hmm. uh, our our podcast, it, our main HQ is run out of Chicago, yep. and the lore in the Chicago is there's about like a paragraph or two, and it's about how that it, it disappeared. Yeah, and we have expanded that. Um, we it, we it basically became a lost HQ, and it switched to like a council instead of like a lone. Uh, alone captain right um and we were wondering if specifically would you are you guys planning to do more with uh like chicago or even just the midwest in general well right now we are kind of taking each quarter as a different location and we're kind of, we'll work on a an hq in that region we'll work on cases in that region we'll work on creatures in that region and we're starting close to home so we're going to start with the setting that we're most familiar with, which in our case is Atlanta. Um, but yeah, we are definitely looking at some of the less explored areas that get brought up and not necessarily explored in great depth in third edition. Okay, sweet. That is uh, that's pretty cool. It sounds like if we uh, it sounds like if we're going to visit Chicago and start working up some material, though, we've got um, we've got a really good foundation. Just Tune in. Oh, and I would, I would love to do something with Chicago because yeah. I love Chicago. Yeah, no, yeah, it's because uh, we're we're in Illinois, so uh, we all we're all pretty familiar with Chicago. Uh, so, and it's we've kind of made it so like how Chicago has a pretty high, uh, like like 
murder rate, death rate or whatever. Right. So we've kind of attributed that to like, it's the, it's the creatures that are doing it, not necessarily the people. Uh, and it's just kind of getting swept under the rug. Sounds like and, chill. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds very uh, much like chill. And Chicago, the Chicago HQ was keeping task with it until it got wiped out. Um, and now it, they're kind of picking up the pieces and reestablishing it, hopefully. So, but yeah, I know that a specific region would be sweet. Maybe like with you guys are thinking like maybe looking into like local like lore with monsters and everything. Yeah. So one of the things we we're doing with um, Atlanta, for example, is obviously we're familiar with the city. We live right near it, and we're picking out locations that are known for being haunted or having a really cool like history to them, and then and then providing content um, with story seeds and ideas for cases. Uh, and then our full, our first full case uh, that's going to be offered through the Patreon in October is going to be set in Atlanta and is going to feature a um, uh, kind of a historical site in Atlanta that has a, a history of hauntings and stuff. So, um, but our goal cool. is to anywhere that we start writing about is not only to involve actual places and stories, but also to really try and bring um, people who either who are from there or have a background from there, um, especially as we move kind of more internationally and start doing other locations. Our goal is to try to reach out and find writers and content creators um, who are either native or, or have some experience with those regions uh, to, to better be able to represent them accurately. That is so cool that you guys are thinking about doing that. And that would really bring a unique perspective to the content you guys would be uh, putting out if you had the natives working on it and all that so this uh the patreon it it's said to come out in the the first of october correct yep, yep. it's going to go live october one okay and it's going to be um uh it's patreon.com slash chill rpg chill rpg i am i am uh curious if we could uh go back and talk about the uh, the art system that you guys said you were thinking about updating yeah uh, what is are you up like overhauling the system or are you thinking of adding more uh, like arts into it so there a little bit of both yeah so the... not, not a full overhaul um we're certainly not leveling everything and then rebuilding it from the ground up there's a lot about the the current system of the art that we really like and we think works really well oh, okay so the current um the there's kind of two parts to this one is the existing art uh is in the new sort of playtest rules is very much intact. Um, it works pretty much the same as it does now. The only exception is that um, rather than a character getting a discipline and taking it from um, beginner to expert to master, um, now players, the, the master level of a discipline lets them by a sort of uh, enhanced use of the power and there's multiple masteries that they can buy. So for oh. example, um, and, and some of it is just sort of reorganizing the way that the existing powers work and some of them are actually, there's some new stuff in there. So, uh, so for example, um, like telepathic sending, uh, the way that it works in third edition and in, in the current game, um, you kind of go from being able to send a message to somebody you can see to being able to send a message to somebody you know, regardless of where they are. And then at mastery, you can start like creating a two-way link. Um, 
so in in the current playtest version at the master level you can buy some different versions one of them is you can create a two-way link to do sending and receiving another is that you can send out to multiple people regardless of where they are um, and so those masteries um, allow you to sort of uh, specialize how you, how your character gets to use the discipline in really powerful ways and the reason that that system uh, is important is that it ties in with uh, some new art that was actually being developed for a third edition book that um, I was doing a lot of work with uh, over the last year, year and a half. Yeah. And so there was going to be a Mortal Practitioners book that was kind of the next supplemental that was planned for Chill Third, and that was really centered around expanded art and new magic systems. Um, oh, okay. And so Ooh. the... <laughs> The other, the other part of it, and it's not in the current playtest uh, version yet. It's gonna. This is something that's gonna be down the line a little bit. Is that there are gonna be what? There are gonna be masteries that are um, for a discipline, but they require you to be attuned to another school, and they sort of meld powers from the different schools. Um, oh, so it's kind of a hybrid between, um, so for example, you know, there's the, there's kind of a, a little artifact, uh, a thing in the core book where there's somebody trying to, um, use the, uh, the, um, the power surge ability like a, uh, defibrillator, right. And they're, they're getting yeah. scolded. And so that, that may be one of the hybrid powers is that if you have the power surge ability at master and you're also tuned to restorative, then all of a sudden you can revive somebody who's at lethal, and that's a way to do it. Um, and we've wanted to do hybrid disciplines for a while. It's something that we've talked about between the two of us, and we've talked about with other people who worked on Chill Third Edition as an area that we really would like to sort of expand the art out into. We felt there was a lot of potential there. So I'm excited about some of the stuff we're going to get to do with that. And for new um, new sort of systems whole cloth, um, I have – some playtest uh, documents for both um, for for two uh, new sets of powers. Uh, one one is modeled off of uh, kind of a traditional. It sort of uses the traditional idea of like ceremonial magic as a base, and then it really goes in some different directions and puts a chill spin on it. And then the other one is sort of a um, uh, you know like psionic sort of fire starter uh, esque. Um, powers, but again, sort of uses that as a base and then uh, moves it into the the chill uh, cosmology. Um, both of those heavily lean on different ways to use tokens. There's some um, uh, sort of some interesting tweaks and stuff for the token system uh, for both those power sets. And so eventually, patrons are going to get access to those power system as they be as they get uh, introduced into the playtest document. And brand new cults and secret societies that use them. Awesome. And so uh, another question, uh, kind of stepping away from the art stuff and kind of jumping into that secret society type of thing. What are your plans exactly for the secret societies and how will they interact with, with uh, almost a show, with save? Well, if you take a look back at the, uh, at the core book, there is actually a short section in there on other secret societies that save has a history with, has had contact with. And then a couple of those we've explored in small ways in supplements. Yeah. So like, I think we have the, gr the groundwork there for there is a history of interacting with other secret societies. And mostly it's been sort of like a brief touch and go. 
Yeah, because I, I believe one of the ones I, I remember reading in the books, it was called The Hidden Eye. I think that was one of them. The multi-level marketing one. I think so, yes. yeah. Yes, That was me. That was mine. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're really cool. I mean, it, it's very interesting. And I haven't really touched into that in our show at all. Because um, it was a secret I, society that was profit oriented, it, using yeah. you know using a pyramid scheme to build your your access to the art or the unknown through, and you know the the idea of monetizing this kind of system. You know, I thought it was it was fun to explore, and it was something I had wanted to come back to in Mortal Practitioners. So I'm not sure, you know, if when that's going to happen, but I would certainly like to come back to them a little bit. The the way that we're thinking about them and sort of organizing it from a development standpoint mm-hmm. is that uh, we're using the word cult to indicate any organization of people in the world who's aware of either the unknown or at least a part of the unknown who is antagonistic towards save. And then we're using the word secret society generally internally to mean any organization that is either... Um, sort of save either unaware agnostic or uh, an ally um so secret societies are potentially um uh, organizations that could have player characters uh, yes it, it would pop- and that's would, something i really want to see it would be possible to run a game either with um people from different secret societies meeting and sort of forming a local headquarters that is not solely affiliated with one group like save or it's non-denominational yeah or it could be uh, a game that is based entirely around a new secret society and not save Uh, then the cults are really more like either people who are worshiping a particular creature of the unknown or maybe have glommed on to a practice um and the first uh the first quarter of the patreon is going to feature a cult that's um that uh, sort of borrows from and uses some Egyptian mythology and is... uh, But Egyptian mythology via Victorian-era Britain's obsession with Egyptology. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Um, So we're going to have a a way for people to check out kind of that concept um, of introducing some more mortal enemies and cults and stuff into the game. Um, But it's all very... um, one One of the important things about Chill is that it stay fairly ground level. Um, there aren't going to be any uh, cosmic gods coming through the the tears in reality. It's no gonna, giant tentacle monsters. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be it's going to be about the people and the um, the individuals uh, sort of within those groups and how to tell stories with them. So uh, the cults are going to be very much from a sort of a ground level perspective of who they are, how they operate, and some of them, how they bastardize things like the art and end up getting corrupted by the unknown. I am uh, would love to see how people, you know, play with that. You know, it, it's it's different when you're fighting, you know, a creature or a monster. You know, you just you, you know you you put it down, but how do you handle a, a human being? Exactly. Because yeah, there's like always it's... the question of you know at what point do you involve you know regular human authorities. Like this person is doing this, and we've now addressed the more supernatural element of it, but okay, now what do we do with this, with this girl? What do we do with this guy? Do we just like keep them in our saved headquarters basement? Do we turn them over to the, you know, local authorities? What do you do at that point? You've, you've got this guy now who is summoning a monster, controlling a monster, being controlled by a monster, but he's still a human being. 
totally. And that is, that's such a thrilling idea to, uh, to even just even experience as a chill master or a player. Just that, it, that is cool. I, I'm really excited to, uh, get into that society and secret society and cult content. So now with the cults do, if they're, they're in the, uh, they're actively against save, do they help the unknown? So it's going to be on like, a case by case basis. The, okay. Um, there is no, um, and, and again, we're using the terms cult and secret society sort of for internal development. That's not to say that those groups will necessarily think of themselves as such or that SAVE would think of them that way either. Um, I mean, it's, it's entirely possible to have a group of people who started as an offshoot of SAVE who are now practicing in a very, very different way who could be dealt with by the player characters, you know, in, in a hostile sort of way and and you know, as we are discussing it internally, that would be considered a cult, even if they're coming from the same origin originally. And and the goal there is just to say that we want to make sure that the idea of how people in the world of chill are experiencing the unknown and reacting to it is addressed more broadly than just save. Okay. Um, and so the how a, an individual cult or how an individual secret society, um, you know, interacts with the unknown or deals with it is going to be in, in, entirely individual to that group. And it's going to be one of the things that um, keeps us uh, in business because <laughs> we're going to have the opportunity to put out uh, material for new human organizations um, as much as we like or the audience wants because every single one's going to be different. Awesome. I know you you talked before we we started the interview. You had mentioned how much you enjoyed the lore, yes, uh, the lore of Save Third Edition. And um, I wrote a lot of the the historical stuff, the the pre nineteen eighties historical stuff. And so I feel, you know, very like Lady Chichester, Michael O'Boylan. You know, those I love those characters. I love the the historical stuff around those characters. And I would love to integrate you know, some of their discoveries, their writings into the new materials that we put out for chill and, and not lose sight of the, the historical roots of save and oh, yeah. the history that has carried this game successfully through three editions and forward. Yeah. This, because the lore is just, I don't, I don't know if any of the listeners has ever dug into it, but it's just rich with history and information and, there's these grand, grand envoys that have done amazing things. Um, there's the mystery surrounding the, the original family that started it, which is super interesting. And uh, I'm glad to hear that it's going to be moving forwards with whatever you guys are doing. So, God, like the Oboilans are a cursed line. Just oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe uh, the the original was well, his name was Charles, correct? Mm-hmm, Charles and. And he was, he just disappeared in like an Egyptian tomb, right? Yeah. Uh, Mummy's yeah. curse kind of situation. I think the, I think the official party line was killed by a mummy, but. Yes. Uh, yeah. But in this case, it sounds like the mummy's curse was probably dismemberment by mummy. That's just uh, less sexy of a curse than, <laughs> than typical, but. It's it's less sexy, but it's very effective. So I, I totally get why why they would go about that. So the Oboilans are disaster. I mean, you stick an Oboilan in a situation, and the worst possible thing is going to happen to him. That's just the way that it goes. That's interesting playing with the you know the cursed bloodline thing, um, and 
it's crazy how the original creator of save is it, it happened to them you know so uh yeah and I, I would love to hear more about uh all of the the great people that you guys have created so because i know a lot of, like some of the uh, supplements you get that have been put out prior uh to this is they were like they were written in a way where it's coming from a per- the person's perspective uh like dr garrett uh, for example yeah, we had we had a lot of journals, a lot of letters, um, correspondences between envoys. Like I come back to Lady Chichester because she's my fave, and she was also the first woman admitted into Save, uh, so <laughs> she is near and dear in my heart and very sassy. And um, so she's somebody whose whose life and whose experiences I felt were very different from a lot of the other early Save historical texts because she was a woman working in a, a field that had prior to that, been limited exclusively to men. And so I think she brought a very different perspective to it. And it was it was fun to get to explore that. And it's fun to continue to explore, as you go through Save's history, different perspectives on that type of horror that aren't necessarily heard in a lot of your traditional, you know, Victorian or, you know, early 1900s kind of uh, horror texts that you don't yeah. get a lot of perspectives, you know, outside of like older, wealthy white dudes. Yeah, totally. And I I also love how it, you know, it shows that person's, uh, you know, biases uh, that they have, whether they're good or bad. Um, So you could, some things you always have to take with a grain of salt, what, you know, just coming from where they come from. Uh, And I just think that's such an interesting concept. It also allows so much potential for, you know, you know, additional supplements, because if the reports you have on a type of creature is based on the experiences of one or a handful of envoys, then who's to say that their experiences were accurate? Who's to say what they took away from that was factually correct and can be applied to all other creatures that sort of look like that in all other parts of the world? Um, Because I think early save envoys made a lot of generalities about how they classified creatures that later on, you know, newer envoys have discovered were not always accurate. And sometimes to, you know, to their demise or the demise of their entire headquarters. Yeah, and the, oh, yeah. One of the ways that we're incorporating that concept into the game itself is um, we're working on a, a, a template for creatures that includes a section about what save knows about them. Because inevitably, one of the things that happens in game is that the players want to consult whatever save archives they have, either if it's a physical one or some kind of web search or online database or electronic database. Um, and so giving the chill master a sort of a pre-made um, block of information that says, okay, here's the stuff that you could feed to the characters just based on what save has along with kind of the, where it comes from. Uh, for example, you know, if you know that the, um, you know, the doll master, one of the, the best references for it was, a journal from X year by this envoy, but then there's also a video clip that was uh, saved by an envoy prior to their death that featured one. That lets the chill master communicate like those very specific in-world artifacts and lore. Um, yeah, that really builds more atmosphere than just saying, um, uh, "Yeah, you find a video and it shows it all." Whereas if there's something pre-written for the chill master that says, "Here's a here's a three sentence or two sentence description of what you can tell the player when they find." You know, this clue just by sort of looking at Save's background, um, uh, just more fodder to kind of help create um, 
a narrative and an atmosphere. That's awesome. That that's really cool to hear about because I, I, I the lore is cool and I like when it's pulled from you know like real world. Uh, you know, real world in quotations, right. you know, experiences. And I love, I love world building. That is, so John is the systems guy. If, if it's a math issue or a power balance issue, he is always going to be the go-to. And I'm the person who is constantly obsessing over like, well, but what more can we put into the world? What more, you know, what's a character we could introduce? What's, what's a region of the world we haven't explored yet that I really want us to look at. And I think it balances out really well. Because all of the work we've done on the third edition books, we always did together. Even if, you know, he had his assignment was this and my assignment was that. I don't think that there's anything that we've ever worked on since we've been married that we didn't work on in tandem. That's that's really sweet. That's, I like. (laughs) Uh, Chill has been a a really positive point in our marriage because it gives us something we're both really positive about and really passionate, passionate about that isn't our children. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that, that we can create together and unlike our children we don't really have to feed it we don't have to diaper it we just get to make this really awesome thing and send it out into the world nice. and hopefully people like it and and if they don't we don't have to worry about its self-esteem i, I do yeah. i do want to say we should we should check in in about three months and ask morgan how she feels about the care and feeding of a patreon uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my guess is that's gonna feel like a baby uh no, I've had three human babies. Nothing but a human baby feels like a human baby. It might be like having a kitten, but I guarantee you it will not feel like having a human baby. <laughs> I do want to make sure that um, that folks uh, listening know that um, there's going to be, obviously there are going to be several different backer tiers for the Patreon. Um, people who just want to come and kind of get the updates, be able to chat in the Discord and see what's what's getting added to the game and what's going on. There'll be a very low uh, dollar amount for that. Folks who want to um, be able to get the monthly content, um, it'll be a little bit more, but uh, not a ton in the 5 to $10 range. And based on how much um, is coming in through the Patreon monthly, we will increase the amount of updates that come out. So right now we're still finalizing the, um, the goals and everything, so I don't want to give specific dollar amounts, but... For sure. Um, you know, right now we've got uh, a guaranteed monthly um, monthly content, but then depending on how much we're uh, able to get from the people who are able to give to the Patreon, um, we will uh, potentially be releasing content every week. Um, oh. And so, uh, and and it's kind of on a God slide. willing, and the creek don't rise, yeah. as they say around here. So, <laughs> so it's sort of on a sliding scale. Yeah. So minimum will be monthly, but then the more support we have, we'll be adding an extra content update. Um, either twice a month, three times a month, or four times a month um, based on that. and Which is nice because it's the first time ever I don't have to worry about going over my word count. <laughs> I can just keep producing because I'm notoriously bad for going over my word count, and I don't have to worry about that in a digital setting at all. I can write as much as I feel like. But then, I feel you, me too. <laughs> the, um, uh, the other piece of the, of the Patreon that we're really excited about is that every quarter – uh, the, the content that we're planning is, again, in quarterly cycles. So, uh, for example, the, the first quarter, October, November, December of this year, is going to be um, cases and cults and creatures that are in and around the Atlanta area. They're going to have kind of a narrative thread to them. The, t- the two cases we have planned are um, are connected, and so they can be run as kind of a, a connected storyline if you want to do that. And um, or you can run the pieces individually, right? 
and the um, but the goal after every quarter is we're going to package it, um, add some art, and release it as a PDF. And so depending on your backer level uh, through the Patreon, you'll either get a discount for that PDF to get through um, somewhere like DriveThruRPG, or uh, you'll get it for free if you're one of the, um, the backers who really helps support the Patreon at a higher level. And it'll be the same material that we've been rolling out over the quarter, but you know, nicely packaged table of contents, we we have we've hired a, a really great art director who is helping us uh, look for artists that we can hire to do, you know, to do scenes, to do creatures, to do um, pre-gen portraits. And uh, you know, I'm really hoping we'll be able to put together a beautiful packet at the end of each quarter. That that's exciting. There's a lot of good stuff uh, coming coming from you guys on that. Um, I I I did notice a while a few I think a week or two back, you guys on your on your Twitter, you posted about hiring um, some more artists. Um, have Have you guys had good luck with that? Have you got a bunch of good people now? Or so the way that we're approaching it right now. Well, I'll back up for a second. I, I want to first say one of our goals with uh, chill content moving forward is we really want to create a cohesive and consistent visual style in the product. Um, yeah. so there was one of the complaints that came up about, uh, chill third was the art was inconsistent there. There's art in that book that is beyond gorgeous. It's phenomenal. Um, yes. and then some of the art is, uh, it's still good, but it just looks, the style of it is just very different. It looks maybe a little cartoony, a little bit different than some of the more sort of photorealistic stuff. Yeah, it's so, not necessarily as good for the genre as some of the other art. Right. Right. Even when the quality is high, it might not be keeping consistent with the overall style. So we have brought in, um, uh, Dawn McLaughlin is going to be our visual director. She's going to be doing art direction and layout. Uh, she's super talented and is, um, we've already, um, been in contact with about a dozen artists, uh, who we're really excited about. And we're, the amount of art and the level of art that we get to put into the um, either the Patreon content uh, and or the the quarterly PDFs is going to depend on the level of support that we get through the Patreon. Because obviously we got to pay the artists. We want to pay them well because we're, yeah. we're looking at some really talented people. So, yeah. you know, if we have minimal, if, if the dollar amounts coming in from people through the Patreon are minimal, then we might have one piece of nice art. Uh, at the front of the at the PDF at the end of the quarter, if we get more support and people are really excited about the projects and the work, then we'll be able to integrate art into the monthly or weekly updates as well as into the quarterly um, PDFs. But we have been seeking out artists and and also talking to writers from maybe some less traditional quarters because I mean I, I'm personally I'm very involved in fandom, a lot of different fandoms, and I know how many good you know writers and artists. Um, who are people of color, who are from the LGBTQ community, who might not normally have immediate connections to the role-playing industry, but who are very interested into kind of breaking into it. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's an opportunity to, to hire some interesting people who may be, you know, new voices or, or new, you know, new faces in the industry. And, and I really want to kind of be a vehicle for that. That's that's a beautiful that's beautiful. I love to hear that. And expanding to the to people who have don't haven't been heard as much as the others is I love seeing that. So uh, that's that's awesome. You guys are doing that. Thank you. Yeah. So for sure, I 
I'm hopping on the Patreon right away when you guys launch, so I'm already excited about it. That's good to hear, and yeah. we're we're super excited too. And our um, our uh, our goal right now is that for the at least the first month, at least for October, regardless of the level of support that we see, we're going to be doing the full uh, weekly content. Um, because we want people to see what they can get if the Patreon is sustainable. Yep. Yeah. And, um, you know, ho- hopefully we could do that for maybe an extra month, maybe October, November. We haven't, we haven't worked the specifics out yet, but definitely for October, there's going to be a content update weekly. Um, and, and then moving forward, it's going to be based on the level of support. So the Patreon is, um, it's going to go live October 1st. We're going to be um, keeping people up to date uh, leading up to the 1st of October on um, the Salt Circle Games uh, social media um, and pretty much on everything, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Salt Circle Games, where all fine social media is sold. I guess the, yeah. uh, the, 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 uh, the updates that will come through on Facebook are going to primarily be through the the chill community Facebook page. Um, so anybody who's listening, who is not already part of that, I highly recommend that you go and sign on. That's a, that's actually run by the license holder for chill, but we are, um, we're kind of a part of the team on, on that as well. So anything that gets posted there, we get to see and we get to interact with people and, um, will be uh, very much a part of that community on Facebook. It's a great community too. I'm a, I'm a part of it on Facebook as well. And it's, there's a lot of good people on there. Yeah. I really like, um, the, one of the things that I've really enjoyed over the past year is folks get on there and ask about um, like the different versions, the different editions of chill. And I have not witnessed a single edition of war happen. Like people have their preferences and their favorites. And I think that that's awesome. And nobody has, uh, nobody's gotten their feelings hurt. So I feel like yeah. um, there are certain other incredibly popular games that I've seen some pretty, grand and glorious edition wars happen <laughs> with yes so I'm, me too. I'm very happy that that's not something we've we've ever had to encounter or deal with you know because i remember on that facebook someone asked a question like oh what editions do you guys play or have played and i remember jumping in on that only only knowing third edition myself yeah. and people were responding like oh that's that's cool you know you started you know this year and you know i started back in the 90s and yeah you know, nice back and forth and yeah it was all positive which is uh, always a little surprising when it comes to stuff like that. So it was it was nice. Yeah, when you have zero negativity on a uh, role playing game online setting, <laughs> I, I, yes. I feel like that is a I feel like that's definitely a win. Yeah, we're just we're really eager to interact with people who love chill, and we're eager to hear suggestions from people for you know regions of the world or themes that they would like to see cropping up in chill. And while yet the Patreon and the Discord are going to be our primary places where we're having those conversations, they're not going to be the only. Tag us on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. I'm really interested in having a conversation with people about what are avenues of horror, what are the dark corners of horror that you don't feel have been explored with Chill yet. And I'm really interested in going there. Yeah. Yeah. I also might, uh, so I I teach creative writing to middle school students, and I have a recurring class that is horror writing for middle school students. And um, the kind of horror that comes from the mind of 10 to 14-year-olds 
is so far outside my adult experience of horror. It has really opened my eyes to to areas of, of things that are spooky I would not have ever thought about. Those kids are crazy. Really? Really they are crazy. Yeah. There is nothing more terrifying in this world than an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> because she is going to write the scariest stuff you are ever going to read in your life. It will haunt you to the end of time because they have... The, the, there is nothing holding them back. They know, I think this thing is scary and therefore I want you to experience it too. And there's no self-consciousness there. Yeah. So uh, um, I'm not saying I'm going to steal any of their creepy ideas. Um, <laughs> she's going to channel saying, her inner 11-year-old is what she's saying. I'm just saying if I ever were going <laughs> to uh, make a chill book that was written entirely by middle school students, I, I would feel very confident that they would produce something probably scarier than any adult is ever going to manage to produce. Most definitely. I think that's all I had for you guys. And I, I, I appreciate you bearing with me. This is my first uh, interview I've had with people. So this is our first uh, uh, audio podcast online interview thing. So yeah. And I'm hoping okay. that, um, you know, as the, as the Patreon launches, um, we're really excited that you and your group are enthusiastic about the game and, um, you know, have been, have been playing for so long and have been telling such, uh, cool, interesting stories with chill. So, um, I know that, uh, as the, as the Patreon launches, uh, we're definitely open to, um, talking with y'all and being involved more with Grim Encounters moving forward. Oh, that's good to hear because I know I I, uh, I even play tested the original uh, third edition. Yeah. Uh, I'm in in the book as one of the HQs, so oh, nice. I would love I would love to continue that that trend, uh, and you know also you know get you more people over there seeing it and uh, getting all that good chill content. So I, I appreciate it, and that's uh, so so cool to hear that you guys want to work with us more. So. So I guess the only the only thing is uh, again it'll be uh, the Patreon will launch October first. It's going to be Patreon.com/slash/ChillRPG, um, and uh, we look forward to helping to scare everybody and their players. Make your lives a little creepier. Oh yeah, you know my name is Nort. I was happy to be your your lovely spoopy interviewer today, and my interviewees were. I'm Morgan, and uh, this was really fun, and I look forward to sharing new chill content with all of you. And I'm Jonathan, and Morgan and I are Salt Circle Games, and we can't wait to help bring more chill into the world. All right, everyone. I want you all to step away from your phones, and I want you to go downstairs into your house, and I want you to open your closet door, and I want you to whisper to the secret things that are living inside to stay spooked out there.